Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. hokey hangover ricky we've been trying to record this for a day or two now um my schedule primarily continues to get in the way with uh you know being a parent uh andrew is not with us this week he is traveling for work in las vegas time change and everything else pretty tough for him to join he's quite busy so it's you and i recording on our lunch hour on thursday so first off how are you doing I'm doing good. Uh, I'm assuming I've had more sleep than both you and Andrew combined over the last couple of days, uh, but doing good, hoping that my trip to Blacksburg this Saturday is not spoiled by another loss. I, I mean, we'll see about that second part. With the first part, I can almost guarantee you that you've had more sleep than I've had. So um, we'll get that out of the way. As far as Tech winning a game this Saturday, uh, you know, it's probably their best opportunity to do so in about a month. If it weren't for the final score last week, Virginia Tech falls to NC State by a point in Raleigh, 22 to 21, after leading this game 21 to three in the second half. Rick, it's basically like same old issues, I would say, in terms of consistency and things of the like. But this was probably the most heartbreaking loss the Tech has had, considering holding a three-score lead with, you know, less than 30 minutes to play, right? Um, this is, this was a tough one to swallow. Virginia Tech goes up 21-3 to in the third quarter. Grant Wells had a 20-yard touchdown run. And I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm like, damn, Tech's going to win this game. Like, NC State looked awful on offense, and I'm not sure awful is is as is, is bad of an adjective as it needs to be. I mean, they looked really, really rough, and MJ Morris was not able to get anything going. Um, Jack Chambers had been benched, and, I mean, it didn't really happen soon enough for NC State. And then, you know, I – at 21 to three, I legitimately pondered tweeting like this game's a wrap because NC State looked like they couldn't get out of their own way. Virginia Tech's defense was playing their best uh, best game of the year as far as I'm concerned. And then 19 unanswered. Um, it's just a it's an excruciating way to lose. Like Tech Tech has done this for the last probably six seasons where they every year they find a new way to lose that makes it even more more brutal more frustrating more disheartening more heartbreaking um all the all the negative 
you know, feelings and emotions that you could bundle up and throw into one. That's, that's how I think we all felt watching this game on Thursday night. And, um, you know, just a, 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 a missed opportunity and a really frustrating one against a, a freshman quarterback that was, again, completely just had had no idea what was going on in the first, I don't know, 37, 38 minutes of this football game. And then all of a sudden, MJ Morris looked like, you know, Drake May for for, for like the, the entire fourth quarter and the, the back end of the third. Um, just really, really frustrating and, and disheartening. And, um, you know, the team's not quitting. That's a, that's a positive. But the team does not know how to win football games. And unfortunately, bad football teams find ways to lose and good football teams find ways to win and no matter your opinion on nc state i think everyone's kind of varying anywhere from pretty good to solid to decent nc state's a better football team than virginia tech is and they're better coached right now and i think that showed up in the second half uh particularly the back end of the third and and through the fourth quarter yeah, I mean, I think the the one thing that was pretty clear is that, like, MJ Morris comes in, true freshman, off the bench, and didn't look great early, and then really kind of turned it on there. Um, finished 20 of 29 for 265 and three touchdowns, but it, like, wasn't always great from the outset, but it seemed like he got into a rhythm, especially in the third and fourth quarter, fourth quarter specifically, um, and that was really all she wrote. I think what was most disheartening for Virginia Tech, if you kind of look at this game and kind of how it played out on the offensive side of the football 10 false starts. Like, again, we've talked about the offensive line all year. And Rick, if I had to point to like a singular area where I was extremely wrong about Virginia Tech coming into the year, it was that I thought the offensive line, I didn't think the offensive line would be good, but I also didn't think they would be this bad, right? I thought they would be maybe like mediocre, maybe towards like the middle of the ACC. This is, if it weren't for Boston College, this would be the worst offensive line in the conference. Uh, This is an offense that, you know, repeatedly take steps back up front and played okay for stretches of this game. But I mean, you, it's really hard to overcome 10 false starts. And I think if you look at, you know, Virginia techs, you know, last five drives, you know, they had a fumble, then they scored a touchdown and then they had three punts. Um, The three punts obviously coming in the fourth quarter. So really, you know, when NC state was making that run, you know, Virginia tech scored that touchdown to make it 21 to three, like you mentioned, that was the 20 yard grant Wells touchdown run. Then NC State scores to make it 21-10. Then NC State scores again to make it 21-16. They failed the two-point conversion. Then NC State scores again, makes it 22-21. And in that stretch, Virginia Tech had three punts. Like, I, you got to sustain some sort of offense. Virginia Tech's longest drive on those on those three drives was six plays. It's six plays, 17 yards punt after NC State made it a 21-10 game. But other than that, it was two, three and outs. And that just can't happen. But the last the last drive was particularly ugly. Virginia Tech was down 22 to 21. Obviously not a ton of time left on the clock. Obvious passing situation for the Hokies. You give up a sack. You have another false start penalty. Um, and then <laughs> Peter Moore punts with 535 to play. And Virginia Tech never gets the football back. I mean, it, it was just kind of a total system failure in the fourth quarter specifically. Yeah, Tech's defensive back got beat downfield. and I mean. 
it's got to be really frustrating for Virginia Tech that, that, you know, Grant Wells, who has had some success in his previous stops, um, or his previous stop, I should say, um, he has struggled mightily this year. And then MJ Morris, a true freshman with very little experience, is able to shake off a rough start and absolutely catch fire in the fourth quarter. Um, that's that's just really, really frustrating. And, you know, once again, Tech's, Tech's inability to run the football is just a, a, an astronomical problem. Um, that success we saw against Pittsburgh was, was obviously a fluke. Uh, I mean, Tech had 26 um, carries in this game for 50 yards, averaging under two yards per carry. And you figure a decent amount of that was from Grant Wells on that 20-yard rush for the touchdown. So if you can't run the football, you're not going to win very many football games. And um, I just I'm, – I'm floored that Joe Rudolph has not been able to get this unit to play a bit better. I mean, I understand that there is a scheme mismatch here. Tyler Bowen is – is trying to uh, is trying to run more of, of a zone scheme up front. Joe Rudolph is not in in the zone family as a as a coordinator and as a a run game coordinator as an offensive line coach. That's not the kind of style he's used to playing. I understand that there's that mismatch there. With that said, I mean Joe Rudolph is a a pretty well respected coach in the industry, and and you would you would hope that his unit would play better than they're playing and that they would play with better discipline. And they're not um, every starter on the offensive line had at least one false start go against them. And then there were like two or three on the punt team, which after the season, we have to have a, a, a maybe a full episode on the special teams um, just to kind of recap how, how bad they've been this year, because it, it got worse. And in, in this NC state game between the, the, the false starts on the punt team, the inability to catch a kickoff. Uh, there's just all sorts of issues on that, on that, on that unit. But Virginia Tech's offense is just like, this is who they are. It's not going to get much better than this. I don't believe. I mean, there's four games left in the season and yeah, this is theoretically the weaker part of their schedule, but Liberty is, is flirting with a ranking depending on where you look. Georgia Tech has played much better football since Jeff Collins got the boot. Um, UVA is UVA. That's going to be a toss-up game regardless. Like, this is this is just who they are, you know? And, and who thinks they're going to walk into Raleigh and look any better? Or excuse me, not Raleigh. Who thinks they're going to walk into Durham and look any better against Mike Elko and, and the Duke Blue Devils? Who thinks that that's going to go well? So right. the NC State game was a chance to pick up a big upset on the road. Yes, it's against the team without their starting quarterback, but a team that's good nonetheless. They've got some good talent on the defensive side. They have a couple skilled players that, that scare you, but not as much maybe as in the past. But NC State, regardless, is a good football team. And Virginia Tech had a chance to really build some momentum going into the back part of their schedule. And they gave it away. And um, I think that that's, you know, 
their bowl chances were slim regardless, and I think slim just left town. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this this was a NC State team that, you know, was not the media's pick to win the Atlantic, but a lot of people did pick them to win the Atlantic, right? Like, and I know Clemson ended up, you know, being the being the media favorite, but I mean, NC State was a trendy pick to win the Atlantic, potentially win the entire conference, and they're still a good football team, you know, despite not having Devin Leary. So this, this was an opportunity for Brent Pry to pick up a really quality win in year one. And, you know, if you think about it, Ricky, like he's had a couple, he's had a couple chances. Like I know West Virginia is not the team that, you know, they hope to be this year, but like, that was a, that was a six point game in the fourth quarter, right? At the start of the fourth or five point game. Wasn't it like 21, 16 at the start of the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, that was, that was within a touchdown the Miami game, obviously Miami's not very good, but like, that's, that's a really important game for Virginia tech every year. And they were right in that game with an opportunity to win and didn't not until late, <laughs> right? Not until late, but like, that's not a very good Miami team. And you know, tech was not getting blown out of that game at home. Um, this NC state game, I think was Virginia tech's best opportunity. And this was probably the best opponent out of the three. I just listed not, not probably is, you know, is the best opponent out of the three. I just listed and tech was on the road doing it. Um, the other two I listed were in Blacksburg. So they were on the road with a three touchdown lead. They were up 18, you know, in the fourth quarter and blow it. Um, very frustrating, but the issues that have plagued the Hokies just kind of reared their ugly head again. It wasn't like we were breaking a ton of new ground in this game, Rick. Like, I guess we were breaking new ground from the standpoint of like tech hasn't had a three touchdown lead blown all year, right? They they've had trouble scoring three touchdowns in a game, let alone blowing a, a three score lead. Uh, so I guess we broke new ground there, but like, as far as like the issues that plagued the Hokies, I mean, this was kind of like the same old issues we've seen all year long. Yeah. 13 penalties, one of 11 on third down, um, averaging under, you know, under three yards of rush and ended up being under two yards of rush in this game. So yeah, these are the same issues that, that, that have cropped up all season and, um, the secondary was vulnerable late in the game. I mean, Mansur Delane, who's played pretty good football in the in the snaps that he's received, struggled in the, in the third and fourth quarter. Um, and you know, he's he's a freshman corner. That's going to happen. Uh, it came at a bad time, obviously, but you know, the, the, he's going to take his lumps in the early part of his career, and that's okay. It just sucks that it had to happen right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this team is, this is who, this is who tech is. I mean, tech is a, a critically flawed football team in more ways than one. And if you, if you allow a better team to hang around, which, you know, tech kind of did when their offense went into a shell in, right. in the third and fourth quarter, this is, this is what can happen. And yeah, man, it's just it's it's really frustrating. Like Thursday night was really really frustrating for me. I sat there. I was actually bowling. I bowl league on Thursday nights. Right. And I'm watching the game on my phone, and I'm just watching it slip away, slip away, slip away. And and after after the game, and I didn't bowl particularly well either. So after the game, I'm <laughs> sitting there at the bar. It's a bowling alley, and I didn't even want to drink. I just wanted to sit there and be frustrated. And that's exactly what I was for like 15 minutes. I, I just sat there watching, 
watching this game end, and I was just absolutely just depressed watching the end of this game. And uh, as a fan, that's the only emotion I can imagine that anyone was feeling at that moment. Just, you know, maybe not surprised because you kind of expect a team that's as flawed as this one to struggle in clutch situations. But it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it any easier. I mean, I was uh, I was at a work happy hour. I had a similar experience. I was watching this game at a bar as well. And, um, you know, they all knew I was a Hokie, right? So it was just kind of funny. They're, they're just like, man, they, they saw kind of the buildup and they saw the letdown late, right? Where I was like, man, this is a nice... Because I knew Tech was never going to be in a position where, like, any any lead is safe this year, right? Like, we've seen enough football to know that that's just not going to be a thing. Um, but, I mean, I, w- I will say I was pleasantly surprised with the way Virginia Tech was playing in the third quarter. So, all of a sudden, I went from, like, okay, this is kind of what we've seen all year to, oh, my God, this is really nice. And then, um, okay, we're back to basically what we were the first half of this year. Uh, for, I'm sorry, the first half of the game and then all of this year so far. So that was just kind of, I, I thought this game in a lot of ways just epitomized the season that Virginia Tech's been having. I think that's kind of my best assessment of it is this is kind of what they are, right? They're going to give you some good moments and they're going to give you a lot of like head scratchingly bad moments. And it's a combination of a lot of things, right? Like I see people after the game, they just want to like rail against the the coordinators and rail against Joe Rudolph. And like, I think some of it is warranted, right? Like I think some of the, you know, I think some of the play calling, it, you know, has been problematic given the personnel. I think that, you know, Joe Rudolph should be getting more out of this offensive line. But I also think that they don't have a lot to work with either. Like, I think both things are true at the same time, right? So there's some troubling trends, you know, with some of the coaching. I think we could definitely agree on that. I think that also we can acknowledge that, like, the staff was probably dealt a not-so-great hand coming in, and they kind of knew that. So, I just think the tech has underperformed relative to what I thought they would be. And I think that's on the coaching staff, but I also think that anybody who was thinking this was going to be, and, and Rick, this is not a shot at you. Okay. This is not a shot at you. I want to make that clear. But I think anybody who thought this was like an eight, nine or 10 win football team probably thought that was more of a byproduct of the schedule rather than tech, not being a flawed Absolutely. team, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I, I looked at the schedule and you and I talked about this before the season started. The ACC on paper did not look like a very good football team or conference this year. I mean, Clemson wasn't even supposed to be as good as they've been because right, we didn't agree. expect DJ Uyangale to be a, a, as good or play as good as he has this season. I know he's struggled a bit of late, but uh, he has looked better this year than he has in the past. Uh, Syracuse has been a surprise. Wake Forest has been a surprise. Carolina has been a surprise. Duke. Um, yeah, Duke, obviously a surprise. So you go up and down the conference, and there are teams that um, I didn't expect to be very good. And I thought that Virginia Tech, being their own flawed team, would still be coached well enough that they would be able to pop up and win some games that they otherwise wouldn't be, um, that they otherwise wouldn't, you know, be considered a win and that they would be able to take care of business at home a lot. And we just haven't seen that. And this team has absolutely underperformed. Um, And, you know, a a lot of it is um, us, you know, overlooking some of those flaws maybe and minimizing some of them, myself included, obviously. But I, 
I don't think that this coaching staff has has played the the hand that they were dealt the best that they could. Agree. If that makes sense. Agree. Like, yeah, they didn't start with pocket aces, but you know, they didn't start with a two seven either off suit, right? Like they they could have played this hand a bit better, and they just haven't. And uh, maybe that's kind of on us, you know, as as prognosticators and observers and fans that we should have seen this coaching staff coming in and been like, look, this is essentially a rookie coaching staff as far as the the ACC is concerned. You've got right. a, a first-year head coach, a first-year defensive coordinator, a relatively new offensive coordinator in his first full season as an OC, his first full season as a play caller. You've got a bunch of inexperienced assistants. Like, this coaching staff is going to take their lumps for a good chunk of the year. And we should have seen that coming. It, it, it's on us that we didn't see that and didn't take that more into account um, before the season started. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's a little bit different from the Miami situation where, like, Miami, there was, like, no way that should have been – this should be year zero, right, with how poorly they've been playing. So I don't think it's, like, as bad as that because, you know, I don't think Virginia Tech's roster is nearly as talented as Miami's, but – you know, I, I think we're asking a lot of the same questions of Virginia Tech, just on kind of a different scale. We're like, we thought this team was a bowl team, and now they might not even sniff bowl eligibility, right? So, yeah, I mean, on paper coming into the year, I was looking at the final four games in November, thinking, yeah, this could be, this could be a really pivotal stretch because we knew October was going to be rough, and Virginia Tech letting this NC State game slip away really makes you know, Saturday and the start to November, we'll just transition right here to Georgia tech. Ricky, Virginia tech is a three and a half point favorite. Um, gotten up to four in some books against Georgia tech, uh, in Blacksburg, obviously a flawed Georgia tech team. Jeff Collins, no longer the coach interim coach is offensive line coach, Brent key, Georgia tech's been up and down, uh, this year. Obviously they've played a bit better since Brent key has taken over, but the last couple outings have not gone as planned. Virginia Tech, obviously, two and six entering this game. Georgia Tech, so Jeff Sims, the quarterback, has been banged up. He's had a shoulder injury. Uh, he is definitively questionable. He he was basically available in an emergency capacity against Florida State last Saturday. Uh, apparently, he's been he's been taking more live reps in practice this week, so he may be available for Georgia Tech. Even if he does play, I would not necessarily expect him to be at 100%. So if he does not play, what I would expect is, um, and this is also coming from my ACC co-host, Joey, my ACC podcast co-host, who is a Georgia Tech alum, follows this stuff a lot more closely than I do. He said to expect Zach Pyron, the freshman um, who played against Florida State, actually didn't play too bad through for a couple hundred yards, expect him to play if Jeff Sims can't go. Um, and look, this is a game that I think represents a pretty good opportunity for Virginia Tech given Georgia Tech's banged up at quarterback. Um, they're, they're, you know, arguably their best skill position player, Jeff Sims, may not play. They, are, they have an interim coach. Uh, they are not very good up front on the offensive side of the ball. But Georgia Tech does have a very good defense. So Virginia Tech's going to have to score some points here uh, to give themselves an opportunity to win this football game. And the defense is going to have to not let them down on the other side against either a really banged up Jeff Sims or a true freshman quarterback in Zach Pyron. So 
if Virginia Tech were to lose this game and were to lose it by like, I don't know, a couple touchdowns, this would be the worst loss of the season, in my opinion, for Brent Pry. This would this would surpass the old Dominion game. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I, I think they'd probably be on par with each other, but regardless, they would both be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They would both be pretty inexcusable. Um, with that said, I'm kind of surprised that Tech is favored in this game. I mean, or at least favored by three or to four points. Like, Tech just gave up three passing touchdowns and 260 some yards to a, a true freshman quarterback last right. week. Right. And, um, you know, Tech has got one one less win than Georgia Tech. You know, uh, Georgia Tech went on the road and uh, and beat Pittsburgh. They they followed up the next week with a win over Duke at home. So back to back weeks with impressive wins. And like you mentioned, things haven't been as good the last couple weeks. But like this Georgia Tech team is is certainly not going to roll over. And I don't know. Like I just. I would feel very uneasy picking Virginia or, or setting Virginia Tech as a favorite in this game. Like, yeah, to me, this is, this is basically a 50-50 ball game here. I Georgia Tech's bad. There's there's no two ways about it. I mean, they got blown out by Florida State last week, but to be fair, Florida State's got far better talent on the offensive side of the football. But um, Virginia Tech is kind of in a similar boat. George Tech, they're they're not going to be very well coached. Um, George Tech, you know, rolling with the interim situation, and they've got guys doing things they weren't supposed to be doing, and they're trying to patch things up for the rest of the year. And um, you know, they're not even too sure who's going to play quarterback this week. But NC State was in a similar boat last week, and we saw how that ended up working out. So, um, I don't really know what to expect going into this game. I mean. Do we expect Virginia Tech to run the football any better than they did against NC State? Maybe a little, but enough to move the football consistently? I don't know. Um, is Virginia Tech going to get Grant Wells on the move more and have him, you know, have him use his feet? I doubt it. When they have done that, when they have allowed Grant Wells to, to move out of the pocket and and gotten him on the move. He's actually, you know, I thought moved the football pretty well. Um, Grant looks much more confident and, and comfortable as an improviser than he does as a pocket passer. Um, I've, I've seen that, uh, and it's become, a, I think, a, quite obvious over the last two weeks that he's much better on the move, and Tyler Bowen needs to needs to get him on the move more. I think that that's the only way this offense is going to be able to move the football consistently. They cannot go one for 11 on third down again. That's that, that, that's not going to cut it against anybody. So I know Georgia Tech's got their problems. And, you know, like obviously losing Jameer Gibbs was basically, you know, a kill shot before the season, right? Because he, he had been carrying this offense, you know, since he had been in Atlanta. And you take Jeff Sims out of the equation, and all of a sudden you're you're starting to wonder where this offensive production is going to come from. But um, we have asked those same questions about other teams earlier this season, and it didn't matter. So this is 
this is a pretty big one for for uh, for Brent Pry as far as his you know as far as the narrative goes. You know, Tech can Tech can finish four and eight or five and seven, and you can still feel you know moderately optimistic about the future. But the only way we get to that point is if you win games like this. I mean, Tech Tech needs to go, I think, at minimum two and two over the next four games in order to feel somewhat optimistic about next season. Is that is that fair to is that fair to say? I mean, I think so. I mean, they got to have something to give them a little bit of momentum going into the offseason, going into recruiting, right? I mean, Brent Pry and his staff, they could feel good about the relationships they're building in Virginia. But, like, if you come out of the year, like, three and nine, and you gave away a bunch of winnable games, and you looked flawed from a coaching standpoint, I mean... <laughs> it's Look, at some point, the product needs to sell itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. I, 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 and, and the thing too, Rick, is like, I don't think we've talked about this enough. Like when Fuente was, was recruiting, he had his most success before Virginia Tech had success, right? Like he had a really good year one with a lot of Beamers guys. And I think, you know, he had a pretty decent year too as well. You know, nine wins, camping world bowl, could easily beat Oklahoma state, um, you know, but then kind of got into a shootout in the second half, felt behind. And that was years ago now, but like, I think Fuente and his staff had, didn't do a great job at selling the the product and what Virginia Tech had done. And yes, it was with Beamer's players, but like you could sell that to recruits being like, hey, we stepped in here. We elevated the profile of the program from Beamer's last couple of years. Like he didn't do a very good job of that. Brent Pry has nothing to work with, right? Like in terms of like what was left behind. It's very different. It's apples to oranges comparing what Fuente started with versus what Pry is starting with, right? Apples to oranges for sure from a roster standpoint. But at the same time, like for Pry to inherit a bunch of Fuentes guys that, you know, Tech Tech was a bowl team last year. And to come in and, yeah, you lose a couple key guys, right? I mean, Tavion Robinson is, is the big one. You lose him on the offensive side. You lose a few guys to the draft. But Pry at the same time, like if you finish a year like three and nine, Rick, that's pretty bad. Like that's not... You know, a lot of people were thinking this would, I mean, the, the total in Vegas was six and a half for this team. You finish with three wins in year one, even with this squad roster. I mean, I just don't, it's tough to sell. You got to sell the product at some point. Yeah. Dave Scarangel has made that point multiple times now over this, over the season. It's that, you know, what, why should people come to Virginia Tech? You know, that's a, that's a valid question. It's obvious why someone should go to Ohio State. It's obvious why someone should go to Georgia. It's becoming obvious why someone should go to Tennessee. Right. But uh, why should someone go to Virginia Tech? You know, you can only you can only sell Inner Sandman for so long. And you know, we all love Inner Sandman, and and it needs to be it needs to be embedded in in the Virginia Tech experience until the end of time. But that only accounts for so much, and right. uh, I've I've made that point multiple times now this year, and um, it's up to Brent Pry and his staff to try and, and and mold the vision of what can be. And in order to mold that vision, you've got to have 
some some proof that the the foundation is strong and two and you know two and nine or or whatever two and ten three and nine that's that's kind of hard to sell but you get to four and eight five and seven and you can you can kind of kind of mold something out of that it's not it's not as easy as it would be if you won seven or eight games right but it's a lot easier than, than walking into a, a recruit's house and talking about your, your two and 10 season and well, how you lost like what, seven straight to finish the year or something like right, that. Right. Right. And if tech finishes with five wins, I think pry can say on the recruiting trail, Hey, look, we took a small step back from where we were, you know, before I got here, but you know, I was playing a bunch of young guys. I was seeing what I had in the room. A bunch of these young, talented kids are who you're going to be playing with. You have a chance to come in and elevate the profile of this program with a lot of these young, talented kids that were getting their feet wet in year one. Like, this is only the beginning. He can sell that if they're five and seven. He can't sell that if they're three and nine or two and ten. Simply can't. It's, it's not going to be that easy. Um, it would have to be a really good selling job, and we just haven't seen enough out of this coaching staff on the recruiting trail right now to know if they can do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. It, it's hard for any coach to do that, let alone uh, a an experienced recruiter. Right. Like, like even even Nick Saban would have a problem walking into a, a coach's living room or a, a a parent's living room if he had just gone three and nine. Alabama was like, not yeah. a Alabama was not a recruiting machine overnight. Like Saban's first couple of years here in Tuscaloosa were not the greatest. And he had to turn that program around. It's not it, it's not an overnight fix by any means. Just look at some of the best coaches in the game. I'm not saying prize on that level. I'm just, you know, to your point, Rick, like it's not it's not easy to to sell that necessarily. Yeah, at some point you've got to win with less before you can start winning with more. Agree. Agree. You have to be able to maximize what you've got before you can start increasing your you're starting in the or elevating your starting point and yeah um brent fry's got to show that over the next four games and it starts this saturday i agree with you so let's get into our acc picks let's just i mean how much more are we going to say about this georgia tech game rick i mean it's a must win it's a really important game for virginia tech we know that both offenses have struggled and both defenses are pretty good it's going to come down to virginia tech making plays right i mean that's i think the summary for me Yes, somebody's got to somebody's got to show up. Some, I mean, somebody's going to have to to come up with, you know, a a rather surprising performance for Virginia Tech to win this football game. You know, is is Keyshawn King able to break a big run? You know, and 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 flip momentum. Is someone on defense able to come up with a turnover? Is there a is there someone on special teams that can make a big play, whether it be a block punt or a big return or a, a big block that sets up a return or something like that? Someone's right. going to have to, you know, or a, a big throw from Grant Wells. Like there's going to have to be one or two of those plays that, you know, that, that kind of change the calculus of the game. Otherwise it's going to look, you know, similar to what it looked like against Pitt or similar to what it looked like against, West Virginia or, or Miami or, or, or uh, NC state or whoever. Um, 
Tech has to find a way to get that fire lit and get that momentum going. And it's going to require someone to kind of go above and beyond what they've done. Yep, I agree. We'll see how it turns out. Um, I'll give my official pick here in a moment. So let's start Friday night, Rick, ACC picks. Duke is a nine and a half point favor going to Chestnut Hill. Boston College is capital B bad. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, uh, I, I'm a bit uncomfortable picking Duke on the road to win by double digits, but I'm going to do it. Um, so, yeah, I guess give me, give me the Blue Devils to, to cover 10 on the road. Me too. I can't believe I'm doing it because it's a lot of points. But Duke is, Duke is used to playing in, like, quiet atmospheres anyway. So, like, right. Cause right. You, you figure a, a Friday night in Chestnut Hill, like, no one, no one cares about this team anymore in that, in that town, not that they cared anyway. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be, you know, you know, 15 people in the stands, not in, you know, including the band. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, Duke is used to playing in those sleepy atmospheres anyway. So give me the Blue Devils. I'm with you. Give me Duke. Uh, noon on Saturday, ACC Network, number 17, North Carolina, on the road at Virginia. UNC only a seven-point favorite, which seems a little sketchy. It's that is that is comical. Give me Carolina by by fourteen plus. Yeah, yeah, it feels that way to me too. Carolina by multiple scores. Virginia scored twelve points last week in four overtimes and did not record a touchdown. I, yeah, they're going to keep up with UVA North Carolina's lost. offense. UVA didn't allow a touchdown and lost. <laughs> uh, it takes like, takes a special like, team to do that. You said BC was bad with a capital B. UVA is bad with a capital B. Yeah, that Commonwealth Cup is going to be an eyesore. (sighs) (laughs) God. All right. Uh, We're going to skip Virginia Tech. Tech, Obviously, Battle for the worst team in the Commonwealth. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're going to skip the Virginia Tech-Georgia Tech game. We'll come back to that in a minute. 3.30, ACC Network, number 20, Syracuse, on the road at Pitt. Pitt, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Does Syracuse get back on the right track this week, Ricky? Yes, uh, Pitt. It, I, I don't think Pitt should be favored in this game. Give me Syracuse. Give me Dino Babers. I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go with Pittsburgh now. Syracuse might actually cover three and a half. Things can be back and forth. I can easily see Syracuse winning this game, obviously. But Syracuse has been having some issues defensively up front, stopping the run. And if there's one thing we know about Pittsburgh is that they want to run the football with the Abandicanda to the point where like Pat Narduzzi does literally, if he could run the ball 40 times a game and not record one pass in the air I think he would do it so they're going to commit to the run it's going to be up to Syracuse to stop it I think if Syracuse stops it they'll be in pretty good shape here Syracuse has obviously a good secondary but they've struggled up front against the run so if they stop the run I think they'll be fine um, otherwise give me Pittsburgh because uh, show me show me you can stop the run Syracuse that's what I'm saying show me um, okay the, the interesting game here number four Clemson on the road in South Bend taking on Notre Dame 730 on NBC Clemson a three and a half point favorite yeah, Notre Dame has looked better of late. Um, beating Syracuse as bad as they did last week was pretty shocking as far as I'm concerned. Uh, with that said, I don't really care. Give me Clemson to cover on the road. Uh, yeah, I'm going Clemson too, and I think Notre Dame will keep this will keep this game close and keep it competitive. I think where Notre Dame's going to run into issues here is because their, their one method of, running the, of moving the football is running it. 
They're not a great passing team right now. Outside of Michael Mayer, they don't really have anything in the passing game. So I think they're going to have to try to run the football in this game. The problem is Clemson's rush defense is really, really good. I think where Clemson can be had is in the secondary, and I just don't think that Notre Dame's got the playmakers to really test Clemson in that regard. So I'm not sure Notre Dame's path to scoring a lot of points here. I do think Notre Dame's defense will play pretty well. You know, they obviously have played well all year. I think that'll continue. But I think Clemson wins this game by about a touchdown on the road in South Bend. 7.30 ESPNU, James Madison, a seven-and-a-half-point underdog at Louisville. Ricky. Uh, I need you to explain to me why Louisville has played much better since we all thought Scott Satterfield was going to get fired. He hurt us. It's the only, it's the only explanation <laughs> for it. Yeah, they've, they've looked like an entirely different football team almost. Um, they've, I, I think they've shocked just about everybody. I thought we all thought that, that the Grim Reaper was coming for, for Mr. Satterfield. Um, I'm taking JMU to cover the spread. I'm, like, J, JMU is not a bad football team. And I just – I don't trust Louisville to, to win by more than a score. So JMU is going to cover, and they've got a, a good shot to, to actually win this outright. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think uh, James Madison covers Louisville. Better be careful here because I'll tell you what, what man, like Satterfield is doing his best to stay off the hot seat, but losing to a first year FBS team out of the Sun Belt is probably not the best avenue to like keep your job security. So uh, better be careful here. But yeah, give me I think Louisville wins close. Give me James Madison to cover, and I, I agree with you. I think they'll have absolutely have an opportunity to win outright. Tyler Santeo, um or Todd Santeo, excuse me, their quarterback, looks like he's going to be able to play. Um, he's been a little bit banged up with an oblique strain, but he looks like he's going to be able to suit up Saturday, so that's pretty significant. Uh, 7.30 ABC. This is like my lock of the week, Ricky. I, I have a few, but this is the one I feel probably best about. Florida State, 7.5-point favorite on the road at Miami. Please tell me that your lock is Florida State. Absolutely, Yeah, absolutely. You kidding me? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Miami looks really, really rough in Charlottesville. Um, I don't know what the issue with this, with this Miami offense is like they've, it doesn't really matter who's quarterback in it. They're just not moving the football. Um, Florida state has looked, you know, a bit, they got through that rough part of their schedule a lot better than I expected that they would. Um, right. Give me the Knowles, get the six wins and, uh, and cover here at Miami. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I got Florida state and they've played a little bit better than their record at five and three, you know, they could have easily won that NC state game that they lost. So this is, I think a six and two football team at worst. Uh, yeah. Florida state's trending in a really good direction. Miami is not. So give me the Knowles. Number 21, wake Forest on the road at number 22, NC state wake is a four point favorite. I like wake here, Rick. Um, I like wake to win and cover. I think Sam Hartman bounces back. They're not going to turn the ball over eight times again. That was shocking. I mean, how many how many possessions in a row ended in a turnover? It's four or five. I mean, they had six turnovers in the um, – actually, it might have been more than that. It, they had six turnovers in the third quarter. Yeah, that's – yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't explain that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wake is a better football team, I think, here. I don't think MJ Morris is going to have the game that he had against Wake – or against Virginia Tech, against Wake Forest. So. I'll take Wake uh, on the road here, but I don't feel all that comfortable about it. 
yeah, I'm with you. I, I like Wake as well. Finally, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech. Hokies now a three. Okay, this is updated, Rick. Sorry. Hokies now a three-point favorite. Three points. Uh, I'm going to pick Georgia Tech. Um, yeah. I just I, – I don't have any faith in the Hokies to win against anybody right now. Yeah. I mean, like Georgia Tech's not good. But neither neither are the Hokies, obviously. And I need to see them, like, I need to see proof before I can believe in Virginia Tech to win another game. Like, I, like, if they lose to Georgia Tech, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick them to beat. Uh, I'm not gonna pick them to beat Duke. I'm not gonna pick them to beat Virginia. I'm not gonna pick them to beat Liberty. Like. Yeah. At this point, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to show me before I before I would would be willing to put anything on them. So, any Georgia Tech here, I guess, in an upset. It doesn't really feel like an upset, but uh, Vegas knows, I guess. So, give me the jackets. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure Virginia Tech would be favored if Jeff Sims was fully healthy. For what it's worth, like that's just my thought on it. Um, but even even then, I I I don't feel like that's you know. I don't think that should play as big of a role as it is. Agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Georgia Tech, I think, has looked better in the last month than Virginia Tech has, which is a low bar to clear, but that's the fact of the matter. Uh, I went into this like last four-game stretch thinking like specifically against Georgia Tech, Liberty, and UVA that I would just be picking whoever the underdog was. Um, that changed when I wasn't sure if Jeff Sims was going to be healthy or not. So I'm going to pick Virginia Tech to win um but i mean jesus Rick, i mean i don't know i i don't know i mean I, I don't feel good about it obviously so whatever that's how i feel I, like if you were able to bet on this game would you absolutely not no uh you know what i would bet yeah. on though ricky i would bet on the under 40 and a half because i think the best unit on the field for 60 minutes is going to be a defense of either of either team so, I mean, I think I would bet the under. I don't think that either team's going to score a lot of points here. I would tend to agree with you. I think Tech's defense will will play pretty well. Um, I just don't trust the offense to be able to support them. And um, I don't trust that – I don't trust that Tech's units, either on either side of the football, will be able to make the plays that matter late in the game. And – um, I really hope I'm wrong because as I've mentioned before, like I'm bringing my dad to this game. My oh, dad yeah. hasn't seen a tech football game since 2015. Uh, he went to the game with me against Pittsburgh. For those of you that uh, love misery, uh, I believe Virginia Tech scored nine points in that game. It was in the middle of a cold rainstorm and Brendan Motley was playing quarterback. Um, I believe Virginia Tech allowed five or six sacks um, and had like 10 rushing yards or something along those lines. Um, it was about, a, it was about a, as, as abysmal as you could expect. And I'm really hoping that we see something better on Saturday because my dad deserves that. Win for, uh, win for the real Ricky LeBlue, right? So we want. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. He, 
he goes by Rick, but let's let's win for let's win for Chief. Let's call it that. That that's good. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Rick, Ricky, good <laughs> stuff. We got we got this done on the lunch hour, man. We we got it done. Um, yes. So yes, we did. Let's let's hope the Hokies pull up pull up and win in Blacksburg on Saturday. Um, Ricky, we'll we'll talk next week. Recap this game. See see how this all ended up. Absolutely. Uh, if you're in Blacksburg, go to Main Street Pharmacy. Yes. Go get anything that you could think of. Just probably there anyway. Um, and if you you know are looking to find a place to get your prescriptions filled out, there's no better place in town to go than Main Street Farm. Thank you for remembering the ad read. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not as smooth with it as Andrew because my man's been doing it for like five years at this point. But. Um, I definitely remember to to shout him out when possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Rick, we'll talk next week. Until then, go Hokies. (laughs) 